Hello and welcome into the Birds and Braves podcast. I'm Luke Winstall, joined by ESPN and SEC Network play-by-play announcer Dave Neal. Mr. Neal, thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Great time of the year for sports fans. You're welcome. It's Yeah, it's awesome. I love the bracket reveals that we've just had. Now we'll get going in the tournament soon. My first question for you, what would you say is your favorite moment all time watching the NCAA tournament? Oh, my goodness, all time. Probably NC State's buzzer beater with Jim Valvano, 1983 Final Four National Championship game. Um, I don't know that you'll ever see it. There, there have been some great shots down the stretch, uh, but that one was just remarkable with uh, an underdog Wolfpack team and, and how it ended. And, and certainly as time has gone on, I think we all appreciate Jimmy V and, and everything he did for not basketball, but uh, just to try to change people's lives. So, um I think that one is it. I mean, uh, and of course, Villanova had a great run uh, to win back in the 80s as well, and they were certainly uh, an, an underdog, but my favorite is NC State winning. When the bracket came out and you first saw it, what surprised you? Oh, surprised me. The fact that, speaking of NC State, that's a great segue, Luke. Uh, the fact that NC State got left out of this thing. Uh, incredible. They play in, in the toughest league in America. They had... Um, their, their net, which is the NCAA evaluation tool, um, they were in, in a top 40 team and a couple of teams that were, you know, outside of 60 uh, get into the tournament. And it's just amazing to me that a team with that, that, that the numbers say that they are one of the top 68 teams in America gets left out in the cold is remarkable to me. And, and you know, we're always going to have that in this tournament. We see it every single year. But to me, that was probably the biggest surprise and one of the biggest left out uh, situations I, I, I can remember seeing. I, I just, again, I'll say it again. They played the toughest league in America and had a super resume. They had a couple of bad losses, including one to Georgia Tech, I know, but that's a team that should have been in there. And I was going to ask you if you thought the ACC was the top conference in college basketball. You said it was. Who do you think is second in the second best conference? You know, a lot of people would point to the Big 12, but I thought the Big 12 had a really down year this year. Big 10 was a pretty solid league. I think uh, from a number standpoint, um, you know, the ACC was, uh, I don't want to say a runaway, but it was pretty clear that they were number one. I, I, you know, I, the Southeastern Conference is making strides. They're still not in that upper echelon yet, um, but they're gaining ground on the rest of the conferences, the big national conferences. So, uh, I look for them to continue to close that gap. But right now, man, it is, it's just about the ACC. That is such – I mean, every night you play, you better strap it on in that league. Were you surprised at all to, to see three teams from one conference be one seeds, or is it just that's how good the ACC was this well, year? you know, yes. I do think it's kind of strange to see one team have three number one seeds. But I think those teams certainly earn the right to do that, to have number one seeds. Um, and it's a testament to the league as well. I don't necessarily like it as a fan, but it's hard to argue those teams being number one seeds. I mean, especially North Carolina, the way they played down the stretch the last 10 games of the season, really impressive group of players. So, yeah, Duke, Virginia, North Carolina, yeah, it's hard to argue that they're number one seeds. If you had to pick one, who would you say is your sleeper team in the bracket? Wow, I, I have two, really. I, I can't, you can't hold me to one. I have two. I have Michigan, uh, I think, is, is certainly a team that can get to the Final Four. And, and they're getting some respect as a two-seed. And my other team that can 
make a push out of this, I believe, if they can shake out, uh, shake off all the stuff that's going on around them, is LSU. That is a really, really talented team. They can play a lot of different ways. Uh, this, this dark cloud hanging over that uh, basketball program right now, right now might be too much to handle. Uh, but they are really good. I saw them in person five times this year, and every time I walk out of the gym going, dang, they got all the pieces. I mean, and they do. It's just a matter of can they put it together um, with their coach sitting on the sideline. Yeah, I was wondering, did you see that kind of, as you said in your words, the dark cloud over their program, do you think that affected their tournament performance the past in the past week? Luke, no doubt. Um, it, it's th- those guys watching them practice as much as I did this year, and the relationship with Will Wade and these players. Very close knit group of guys. Uh, they have a lot of fun. Now, Will Wade is, a, is I don't want to say a disciplinarian, but he is on them pretty good at practice. He, he comes across as a super nice guy, and you have conversations with him. He's very uh, gentle with us, and and just outgoing and just a conversationalist. But when practice starts, it's all about business, and these players, I think, respect that, and um, he has respect for them. So, um, yeah, there's no question that that had a, a big impact, and that's why I say I'm a little skeptical. Um, you know, they still got to get through. I mean, they're in, a, they're in a, a tough bracket out there in the East, especially if they're half of the bracket, Louisville and Michigan State and Minnesota. Uh, it's going to be tough for them, but I like them. I mean, they're such a good team. It's hard for me to, to be down on them if they can just shake off this stuff. With Virginia, after obviously losing to a number 16 seed last year, I know we can't expect that this year, but how do you see them rebounding in the tournament? Oh, I think that they are on a mission. Um, I mean, look, they went 29-3 and this year, and there weren't many close games. Uh, they were really good. And this is a team that usually plays close games because of their style of play. They don't get up down the field, they, uh, up and down the court. They, they play a, a tempo-type game, so they're not going to beat teams by 20 every night, but they had a lot of those 15-plus victories, and I think this is a team that's on a mission. And in a roundabout way, that lost to 16 seed a year ago, I think it's kind of catapulted them to where they are today. Um, you know, I, I also like their bracket, too. I mean, I think that's a, a bracket that certainly favors them. Tennessee is, you know, going to be a tough team to beat if they can square up with them in the Elite Eight portion of it. But um, I, think, I, think, I think Virginia might be the team to beat if you're asking me right now. I just think that's how much I I, I appreciate what they're doing. When you're breaking down matchups, what would you say is the biggest key to success in the NCAA tournament? Well, I I think up-tempo teams can't be slowed down by teams that want to play tempo. They have to find a way to to play their style of basketball. You see it time and time again. The NCAA tournament's all about matchups. You know, who you got. Um, and I think the teams that really struggle are the teams that like to score 80-plus points a game. When they face a team that defensively is very consistent and limiting teams to uh, one shot per possession, uh, teams that can't get into their offensive set until like 15, 18 seconds on the shot clock, those teams have a tough time, um, um, the up-tempo teams, trying to, to get out of that funk. And once you start down that road, it's hard to get out of it in a game situation. So – I think for me, the up-tempo teams have to maintain their identity. And if they don't, that's when trouble occurs. One team that a lot of people that I've talked to have been talking about is Duke right now. What makes their team so good? But also, what's the danger of having or being so reliant on all of the freshmen that they have? 
Well, first, they're so dominant. I mean, I think Zion Williamson is is a key factor to that. Um, watching him play, especially the ACC tournament after missing, what was it six games where they went three and three and the six without him? I think that's a testament to just uh, how good he is. And certainly, Barrett is, is. I mean, they're just so good. The freshman class. College is different than it was 15 years ago. I think there are so many talented freshmen now. Coaches uh, play them right away. They don't work them in, um, getting them five minutes here, seven minutes there, hoping that their sophomore season they can be a breakout player. These guys come ready to play. The game has changed uh, at the AAU level, at the high school level. I think they come more prepared. So I think leaning on freshmen isn't as big a deal as it was a decade ago or even longer. So I don't have a problem with these freshmen. Um, You see it so often now. A matter of fact, I'm just going to use this as a quick example for you. Vanderbilt, Darius Garland, one of the top five players in the country as a point guard, he's going for 30-plus points, uh, game five of the regular season, blows out his knee. Vanderbilt looking very good, like they're, they're a top 25 team. People thought they had a chance to compete in the upper top four of the SEC. They lose him in game five, you know, five minutes into the game, and they go winless in the conference. So, He's a freshman. He's a guy that they was going to play 35 minutes a game. So I think coaches look at everything differently these days as opposed to years past in terms of what they can get out of a freshman. And you mentioned Zion Williamson. Where does he rank among the players you've seen on the college level throughout the years? Oh, boy. I, I, you know, as far as freshmen go, he is one of the best that uh, certainly I, I have seen. You know, I thought um, – if you go back in time, there, there hasn't really been anybody, first of all, anybody like him. Um, his size, his athletic ability, he is a different type of player, so it's hard to really compare him to, to anybody in the past in terms of their freshman capabilities. Um, i, I got to think, in my time, I've been college, doing college basketball now for 23, 24 years. He's a unique individual. Uh, I don't think we'll see many like him. Um, so I, I put him at the top of the list in terms of the freshman that I have seen. He's a game changer. He's a guy that dictates how Duke plays and performs. If he plays well, Duke's generally going to win. I would say generally is, would be an understatement. They are likely to win if he plays, you know, 20, gets his 20 and 10 every night. And which teams do you have in your final four right now? Well, I, I'm, I'm going to say – that Gonzaga is not going to make it out. I'm just—I don't think the Zags are going to make it out. I, I think that they have a couple of bumps in the road along the way. I think a Florida State might be able to get them uh, if they do get to a Final Four thing. I like Michigan a lot. I'm a big fan of the way they play. Uh, so, with that being said, I, I got to take three top seeds: Duke, Virginia, um, and North Carolina. I, I, I think that they're on a collision course in the Final Four. And coming out of that West bracket, I'm going to say Michigan. They're kind of my sleeper team that people haven't really been talking about here the last couple of weeks. They suffered some losses, but I like them, and I think they're going to get there. All right, Mr. Neal, that's all the questions I had for you. Thank you so much for your time. Luke, enjoyed it very much. Thank you for calling. You're welcome.